0: The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. I hope you enjoyed your meditation. My name is May Elliott and uh, I will be leading the 7AMs this week. So welcome if you're just arriving. At the beginning, I shared that over the next five days, I'll be going over the foundational Vipassana meditation instructions as they are typically taught in the West. So there, if you haven't noticed, there are so many different styles of practice in Vipassana. Um, There's the Brahma-Vihara heart practices and um, the five elements meditation and 32 parts of the body. Um, Maranasati, Yeah, Marnasati death contemplation. Uh, There's so many different ones. And so my hope is just to simplify and lay out the basics of Vipassana practice. Um, So if you attended a silent retreat at a Western Vipassana center, like Insight Retreat Center or Spirit Rock, uh, these are the meditation instructions that you would typically receive over the course of the retreat. Uh, And the instructions I'll offer are the ones most typically suggested for those who are building an at-home practice. So, um, and for me personally, I'm always returning to this instruction for myself, for my own practice. So um, I hope that similarly, whether you are a new practitioner or a very experienced practitioner, that these are beneficial for you. So we'll be going over today, breath, uh, day two, the body, mindfulness of body. Day three, emotions, day four, mindfulness of thinking, and then the last day, bringing that all together, bringing all four days of teaching together into open awareness practice, sometimes called choiceless attention. So these these instructions are most influenced by the Burmese teacher Mahasi Sayadaw, and he was really the biggest influence for our insight scene in the West. Um, however, though Mahasi did emphasize the breath, often feeling it in the abdomen, um, I don't know that he emphasized it quite as much as we do um, in Western teachings. And this, this emphasis on the breath uh, uh, came largely from the Bur- Burmese teacher Upandita. So he, he had a strong influence in our scene as well and of course at the heart of this teaching is mindfulness that's what um, holds together each each day of teaching Um, so where we pay attention uh, to the present moment experience learning to be intimate with our life Um, so we're engaging in the direct experience of the moment rather than being lost in our narratives our stories our judgments fears etc and in doing so we can start to have insight into the changing and the selfless nature of experience Um, and mindfulness it has uh uh, the successful function of mindfulness depends on a particular characteristic awareness doesn't judge it doesn't reject and it doesn't cling to anything so by practicing mind Mindfulness by simply being aware of our experience that can allow us to disentangle from our preoccupations um, and that that can allow us to touch in with the wisdom and the compassion that's uh, already within us. So. uh, So the basic teaching is that when the mind is really active and there's a lot of thinking, this is a great time to simplify. This is when we want to choose a really simple object to attend to, a really simple thing to focus on uh, for our meditation. So that's why we're starting with the breath. Um, We're moving from the complexity of our stories, our problems, our confusions, to something very simple, Uh, just this, just, just the breath. There's a book that came out a few years ago called Caesar's Last Breath. The epic story of the air around us and in it the author sam Keane makes uh, quite the claim he says that of the sextillions of molecules entering and leaving your lungs at this moment quite literally there might be molecules from uh, cleopatra's perfumes particles exhaled by dinosaurs or those emitted from atomic bombs um, And it sounds very unlikely, but apparently Keen crunched the numbers and estimates that across all that distance of time and space, uh, a few of the molecules that were inside Caesar's lungs during his last breath are actually dancing inside your lungs right now. For many of us who are lost in our inner fantasies, uh, the breath might not seem as interesting as the fantasies. Um, And I think that's in part because we forget what a miracle it is. That when I breathe in, I'm breathing in the, the air that the Buddha exhaled 2,500 years ago. Like how extraordinary that from the moment I was born, to the moment of my death that i'll have a companion i have a promised friend that will be loyal to me for each moment of my life and that companion is the breath so with this in mind can we pay attention to the breath with gratitude with friendliness with wonder you know what could be more important than paying attention to this this tiny spindle of air that miraculously keeps us alive. Can we be curious about it? Uh, if you haven't noticed in your practice, curiosity is like, it's like glue for the present moment. Um, it keeps us here. So if you can find ways to be curious about the breath, you'll find ways to be with it. And that's why we explored all these different sensations in the meditation practice this morning. You know, Getting to know the texture of the breath, the shape, the temperature, Etc. So as we as we continue returning to the breath, it collects the mind into the present moment, almost like uh, harvesting vegetables from a field and collecting them into a basket. The mind that's scattered becomes collected and unified. So often people associate this practice of collecting the mind, of focusing on the breath, with the practice of concentration. Um, and one of the issues with the word concentration, uh, often specifically in the West, is that it can lead to this image of a narrow, um, like a tight, narrow laser, bre- laser beam. Um, like we're really cultivating, striving in our meditation, just, you know, really uh, focusing really hard, concentrating. Um, but that's not actually what we're trying to do with breath focus Um, so if you notice that you're heavily straining or you're tightening up to concentrate then then you're cultivating straining (laughs) and that's not what we want to cultivate so um, so this practice is of collecting the mind so i often like the word collecting rather than concentrating because it's relaxed we're just collecting the mind into the breath so traditionally, there are five factors of concentration. And I'll only talk about the two today, the first two today. Um, and uh, and specifically, I want to talk about those two because they can be supportive in learning to stay with the breath. So um, the, uh, the first is vitaka and the second is vichara. Vitaka is application. So we're applying our attention to the breath, applying. And then the second is vichara, sustaining. Um, so sometimes vitaka and vichara are referred to as aim and sustain. We're practicing aiming and sustaining with vitaka and vichara. So, um, recently I was on retreat and while on retreat, I had a yogi job, uh, about a half hour job, uh, doing a little work meditation. And my job was to scrub the vegetables. And so one day I was, I was scrubbing the potatoes and I, was thinking about this teaching of Vitakka and Vichara, and I took the scrubber and I uh, I applied, uh, I aimed the scrubber at the potato, um, and then I sustained contact with the potato as I scrubbed it, right? So Vitakka and Vichara, aiming and sustaining. And I realized if I just aim at the potato and I place the scrubber on the potato, potato but then my hand kind of floats off with the scrub brush, uh, I'm not sustaining contact with it. You know, I can't actually, I'm not actually scrubbing the potato if my hand floats off, right? So I have to aim and sustain. Um, and the same thing happens with the breath. Often, actually, we'll aim at the breath. Oh, I'm supposed to be paying attention to the breath, right? Okay, I'm gonna feel the breath. And we place the attention on the breath, and then it slips right off. Uh, kind of like sliding on a banana peel. We just slip right off into thought. So sometimes it can help to remember that we want to aim and sustain maintain contact with the breath so touching it and staying connected through the whole inhale that potato won't get clean if you don't aim and sustain (laughs) the mind won't get collected if you don't aim and sustain with the breath so um this quote from ws merwin little breath breathe me gently row me for i am a river i am learning to cross little breath breathe me gently row me gently for i am a river i am learning to cross so the breath is our raft and it's taking us from delusion to awakening it's our It's our trusty companion that supports us in traversing samsara. So I hope that you take good care of the breath, that you get to know it, and that you maybe even fall in love with the breath. And ultimately, this practice of returning to the breath again and again, uh, regardless of how many times we're distracted, this builds concentration The mind is collected again and again, and this brings forth calmness and tranquility. So this calming force allows us to develop enough stability to have insight into the nature of things. Um, uh, As we return to the breath and continue to collect ourselves into the present, it's kind of like stabilizing a tripod that holds a telescope. So if we don't have a stable tripod, It's really hard to be still enough to see the stars. And in meditation, we're really wanting to to clearly see the true nature of things. We really want to see the stars, right? Um, And what I mean by that is we want to clearly see the three characteristics. Um, We want to see, understand the source of suffering. Uh, We want to see the true nature of impermanence and uh, the selfless nature of all things. want to see suffering impermanence and not self. Um, But in order to do that, we need to have a stable tripod. Uh, So the breath practice can stabilize us sufficiently to have insight into the way things really are. And when we can do that, we can be free. So I think I uh, I will offer you a practice for the day. So if you would like to take this up, your invitation is to spend uh, two minutes, three, three different times today, spend two minutes paying attention to your breath. Just doing your best to let go of concerns and preoccupations. Uh, maybe it's a moment to be grateful for the breath or curious about the breath. And you might even set a timer now for three different times today that you'll pause and do this practice. practice. Um, and I found that it's, it's very rare in life that I don't actually have time to sit for two minutes or to stand in meditation for two minutes. And I al- I always know that if um, if I think that I don't have time to sit for two minutes, that's often exactly when I really need to sit for two minutes. So you can explore that uh, that practice <laughs> as it's um, supportive for you. Okay. And I'll, I'll close with a poem for you. This is called Wage Peace by Judith Hill. Wage peace with your breath. Breathe in firemen and rubble. Breathe out whole buildings and flocks of red-winged blackbirds. Breathe in terrorists and breathe out sleeping children and freshly mown mown fields. Breathe in confusion and breathe out maple trees. Breathe in the fallen and breathe out lifelong friendships intact. Wage peace with your listening, hearing sirens, pray loud. Remember your tools, flower seeds, clothespins, clean rivers, make soup. Play music, memorize the words for thank you in three languages, learn to knit and make a hat, think of chaos as dancing raspberries, imagine grief as the outbreath of beauty or the gesture of fish, swim for the other side, wage peace. Never has the world seemed so fresh and precious. Have a cup of tea and rejoice. Act as if armistice has already arrived. Celebrate today. That's Judith Hill, Wage Peace. So thank you everyone for your kind attention this morning. I hope to see you tomorrow for our focus on mindfulness of body. Take care, everyone. Enjoy your day.